You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings to all of you. It is an honor to spend a few moments with you on a Wednesday evening. My name is Nathan. It is my great blessing in life to be the pastor of First Church Charlotte. And we are going to spend a few moments together on a rather provocative subject. My subject for uh, this evening is simply this, six things that Satan believes about you. Six things Satan believes about you. So while that is ruminating, so to speak, while it is being sauteed in your mind, I want to remind all of you that starting uh, toward the middle of August, uh, actually, let me restate that, starting toward the end of August will be our new uh, lighthouse project here at First Church. You'll be hearing more about it, but the goal, the idea is to equip and, em and empower people uh, to take the resources of the church to open their heart to their community, turn their house into a lighthouse. That'll happen three ways. If you are at your home alone, uh, you can use the resources uh, and treat our Wednesday night time together like a Bible study. There will be a, a reading guide for you. Um, if you are able to come to uh, the sanctuary or you are uh, volunteering with Prosper You on Wednesday nights, you will be able to be a part of our in-house uh, live audience. And number three, if you're able to open your home, uh, we will be providing discussion questions for you where you can invite friends and family over without a whole lot of drama or a whole lot of work and you will be fully equipped uh, to host them uh, to have a Bible study that you watch together and also uh, discussion questions uh, that you can work through together. And uh, we, it, it's kind of a hybrid, yes, but the goal is to empower all of you, uh, not just bless the people who can make it, um, not just you know provide a remote Bible study for people who can't, um, and not simply just to, as it were, create a discussion type a group format for those of you who are able to host in your home. Our goal is to serve uh, all of you every week uh, with this. So uh, you have questions and we will have answers for you, uh, but I just wanna put this on the radar screen, so to speak, of all of you strong believers. Uh, this is our uh, effort as a pastoral team to equip you uh, for what you can do in your world, your neighborhood, your friends, your family. So let's get started. Six things that Satan believes about you. Now, last week, we talked about uh, the reality of Satan and how uh, he was a created being, and yet we also see him as an ideal. He is both. He is not all ideal or all entity. He, for the purposes of our spiritual learning and growth, he is both. Uh, he was created by God, he is your enemy, but more importantly than that, uh, he represents a way, uh, a series of decisions where you follow in his way. He doesn't have authority over you, he doesn't have power over you, but he represents something that all of us, created beings of God, all of us with uh, reflective minds and introspective personalities, and um, as it were, pursuing good and evil within our own judgment, all of us can turn away from God and serve the self 
or all of us can humble ourselves and allow God to be our highest ideal, to be the law giver, to be the grace giver, uh, to be father, to be friend, uh, you understand. And so I wanna continue with this theme on what the devil thinks about you and why he thinks he knows you. He believes he knows you uh, in essence. He, he knows the, the, the heart of the matter. And uh, the first thing that he believes about you, Satan believes that your real God is yourself. Uh, that's what Satan believes about you. He thinks he knows you and he thinks, as a result, uh, you would rather be worshiped than to be a worshiper. Satan thinks he knows you. Uh, he thinks you would rather be served than to serve. Um, finally, he thinks that you really don't wanna humble your heart to what God says is good and evil. You wanna define your own good and evil, and the basis for that is on whether or not it is good or evil for you. In other words, if there is a questionable good, but it's good for you, you'll serve that. That's what he thinks about you. Um, there are no absolutes. There is no um, highest lawgiver, highest source of truth. Um, it's just you, your needs, your wants. He believes that about you. Uh, that's how he tempted Eve. He said, for God knows, and this is Genesis 3 and 5, God knows that in the day you eat of it, talking about the fruit, um, of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. As though the tempter says, don't serve God, serve yourself. Don't humble yourself to God's order, create your own order. This is what Satan believes about all created beings because this is a temptation for all created beings. And not only did Lucifer fall, but a third of the heavenly hosts fell uh, with him if we understand the scripture and images given to us in uh, the Old Testament. The second thing uh, Satan believes about you is he believes that you can be bribed to serve God. He believes that uh, at the end of the day, you're gonna do what's good for you. And so even though you would rather be your own God, um, if God, chooses, he can bribe you. He can, make, he can manipulate you to serve him. Uh, Satan does not believe love to be an authentic source of motivation in our lives to know God, serve God, humble ourselves before God. Uh, he believes very much that uh, for us to serve God, we need to be bribed. Now, I'm reading Job chapter number one and uh, verse number eight. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one on earth like him, a man who is blameless and upright, who fears God and shuns evil. Satan answered and said to the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not placed a hedge on every side around him and his household and all that he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. This is, this is the perspective of um, the devil. Um, yeah, Job, Job serves you because you guys have an arrangement and he pretends to serve you because you bless him. But really why he's serving you is because you bless him. There's no love story here. There's only self-interest. Remember in hell, it's not the devil you serve, it's the self. All the devil did was show you the way. He was first through the door. But hell is not about serving the devil. It's about serving the self. That's why... 
uh, spiritual conflict to those who are filled with the power of the name of Jesus should not be the biggest struggle in their life. Um, it just shouldn't because the power of the enemy is of course subject to the name of Jesus. And when we resist that spiritual influence and rebuke it in the name of Jesus, uh, we have spiritual authority. The problem is not serving Satan, it's serving the self. You can't cast the self out. You have to discipline the self. You have to limit the self. You have to even, as Paul would say, to use the image of Christ's death, you have to crucify the self. You don't crucify the devil. You just resist the devil. But you have to crucify the self. That's the battle. Um, more on that in just, in just a moment. The third thing that Satan believes about you, he thinks he knows you, he thinks he has your number. He doesn't have to hang out with you to know you. He thinks he knows your heart. And that's this. You hate living in the tension of faith. You don't like choosing to believe. What you really want is evidence. But there's a problem in this theologically. Because the moment you have evidence, the kind of evidence that would satisfy, say, a scientist or even a critic or a philosopher, once you have that uh, it's no longer a story of love. Now it is a story of self-interest. You see, a day's coming when God's going to reveal himself. And when that happens, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because there will be no more need for faith. The, the, the story of who's in charge is forever over. Um, but once that happens, once you have evidence, there's no longer an opportunity for you to choose love. Now it's just self-interest. You're just serving yourself. Why? Because look, there is a God. He is holding us to account. There is a judgment. It's not a love story anymore. Now it's just a story of self-service. That's not what God's looking for. If that's all he wanted, he would have been satisfied with Satan. Just serve yourself. If you don't, then I'm going to get you. But living in the tension of faith is not having that evidence and choosing this as a way, as a, an ideal as a love story, as the most beautiful thing in your life, the highest star, as you hear me say, in your sky. Um, <clears throat> this is how we live out a story of love between unequals. We are not God's equal. We could just pretend to serve him like some type of spiritual gold diggers. Um, you understand what I'm saying? And so <clears throat> we hate living in the tension of faith. And so when he really wants to get, get us he wants to get us out of faith, even if he has to use a spiritual type of covering for it. I am uh, reading from uh, The Temptation of Jesus by Satan, um, Matthew chapter number four. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God. Now, Jesus has spent 40 days in wilderness being tempted. He is, he is choosing a way of life. He is committing himself wholly on a journey that's going to end in the cross. I'm talking about the flesh, the man, the man that was Christ Jesus, who was in all points tempted like as we are, who needed to grow in knowledge of God, grow in favor with God. He became, he humbled himself, not the self, but others, not me, but others, the grain of wheat fall to the ground and die. If it does that, it abides, unless it does that, it abides alone. But if it does that, it's my life for yours, a cross that you carry, my heart open to others as a way of honoring God, my life filled with others as a way of saying I love you to God, not hiding in a little cloistered group of self-righteous people and pretending that we can be holy enough to please God. 
as though our rags are finally gonna show up in a heavenly fashion show and God's gonna say, man, you, you belong here. Never gonna happen, heresy. We are pursuing God. Uh, we are loving God. We are knowing God, but it's not going to be some accomplishment of the flesh. It's, it's, it's not. I mean, that's just a foundational New Testament, New Testament uh, theology. Uh, we don't want to oftentimes live in that tension of faith. So Lucifer comes and says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, then perform some miracle as a way of reassuring yourself. Reassure yourself. God doesn't need to know. God's in heaven. We're the ones on earth. <laughs> um, uh, reassure yourself and use God's power to reassure yourself. And uh, this is how the temptations of Jesus are going to be framed. If you are the son of God, uh, it is a challenge uh, to the core of purpose, calling, anointing, ministry, uh, and the like. Number four, uh, so remember, number three was uh, faith. You, you, you really have a, a hate relationship with faith. You, you hate the uncertainty, the not knowing. Even if, even if that's how we get to divine love, our heart to God, we hate it. And that's what Lucifer thinks about us. Number four, um, Lucifer believes that no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how much you've been praying, how much you've been fasting, how much you've been walking with God, Lucifer believes that you will still fight against the lust of the flesh. Um, in this regard, I wanna say he's correct. In the flesh, we fight the battles of the flesh. We will not always be in the flesh, but in the flesh, we fight the battles of the flesh. There is no getting around it. Here's how Lucifer tempts Jesus. If you are the son of God, remember, always is the, the challenge is to the, the, the root of faith. If you are the son of God, Command this stones to become bread. You're hungry, you haven't eaten in days. Let there be a miraculous move of God that's primarily about you, your reassurance, your hunger. Um, no matter how spiritual we get, we fight the battles of, of the flesh. This is why the disciplines of prayer, prayer disciplines the mind, fasting disciplines the body. Prayer disciplines the mind, fasting disciplines the body. Um, be, be aware of the fact that it's difficult for us to claim some high status of spiritual things and not have the ability to discipline the body. Um, there's a mismatch there that oftentimes is perceived better by people outside the faith than by people in the faith. Um, we need to discipline the mind and discipline the body. Uh, this is a horrible subject to talk about, and I hate it, but I need to do it. So um, that is number four, no matter how spiritual you are, you will still fight against the lusts of the flesh. Um, the Lord answers Satan when he says, command that these stones be made bread. He answers and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, as if to say to the tempter, even if I satisfied my fleshly hunger, it would do nothing to satisfy my spiritual need. Um, so uh, number five, the fifth thing that Satan believes about you is, uh, is this. What you really want is to demonstrate the power of God, not the heart of God. As a created being, what you really crave is power and not service. What you really want is to dominate, not prefer. This is what Satan believes about all of us, me included. 
that what we really want is to be able to demonstrate power, not character. We want the gifts of the Spirit, not the fruit of the Spirit, even though the Bible shows us that the fruit of the Spirit is what reaches the world. Gifts of the Spirit minister oftentimes to believers. I know I might be messing with you a little bit, but you know how I do. So, all right. What we really want is to demonstrate power, the power of God, not the heart of God. Let me say it a little bit different. Satan believes that if lust won't get you, then pride will. Because what follows power? Pride. When we demonstrate something, we, had, we turn it into identity, and now it becomes self-worth. I'm a mighty man of God. I'm powerful. Just You, you understand what I'm saying? Um, if lust doesn't get you, pride will. And so this is the second temptation of Christ. The devil takes him up to a ho uh, into the holy city. This is that city of peace, Jerusalem. The temple's there. He sets him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, if, you, if indeed you are the son of God, again, remember uh, number three, uh, the tension of faith. You, it's difficult, it's hard. You really kind of hate it. <laughs> uh, if you're the son of God, uh, cast yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Uh, this is, to anybody who understands the Jewish mind and Jesus, Jesus does, to any, anybody who understands Jew, Jewish religion and Jesus does, this is the great temptation because what the Jews are looking for is a Messiah. This is the kind of thing that would move them. Not a suffering servant from Nazareth. That won't touch them at all. Why? Pride. That won't get their attention at all. A humble man choosing the right. That won't, that won't move them at all. They'll, they'll just, who is this Jesus character? Are not this his brothers and his sisters here's with us? Why should we? Nah, he's nobody. But what would have got their attention? What would have rallied the nation? The Messiah descending from the pinnacle of the temple. Uh, this is the temptation. Um, if you are who you are, just do the kind of thing that would attract the people you came for. Come to them on their terms, not on your terms. Demonstrate power. Don't manifest character. Give them what they want, not what they desperately need. Do you see? There's so much depth here, we could spend a long time, uh, but we're not gonna do it tonight. So I want you to see, most of us have this temptation that what we really want is to demonstrate the power of God, not the heart of God. Power is when you lay hands on somebody and there's this miraculous news, newsworthy event. God does that sometimes, but never in a way where it exalts us over him. That's not how it works. In fact, it always happens in a way where the critic, if they don't wanna believe it, they can explain it away. Uh, but what Christ does ask us to do is not demonstrate power, but demonstrate his heart, follow in the way of his heart, deny ourselves. that's what he did, take up our cross, that's what he did, and follow in this way, that's the opposite of Lucifer's way, which is to elevate the self, serve the self, please the self, and make your life about serving others. But maybe they'll never come to church, that's not the point. You're not being nice to them so they'll come to church. I mean, if you are, that's manipulative. What you're doing is you're showing devotion to God. You're showing love to God. You are 
incorporating others in your way. This is the Jesus way. And this is what all of us must be challenged to do. Not the self, others. It will feel awkward. We will be rejected. We will oftentimes not know many things. But where our heart is out there. Because whether or not we can demonstrate power, we can always demonstrate the character of God. I hope you heard me. That resonates with every fiber of my being. I can't always demonstrate the power of God. But I can always demonstrate the, the, the heart of God, the love of God, the character of God. It's just Satan knows the flesh would much rather have power um, and manifest power and demonstrate power uh, than it would demonstrate the heart of God, the character of God. Lastly, the sixth thing that Satan believes about uh, you is this. Um, you'll do whatever you need to do to get what you want, even if it makes you like the devil himself. That's what the devil thinks about you. I'm not saying you're this way. I hope we're not, because <laughs> all this applies to me too, as you know. Um, but this is what the devil believes about you. Here comes temptation number three. The devil takes him up to exceeding high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he says to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And uh, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. What is going on here? I will get, well, first of all, let me say the devil's a liar. He's always promising to give away things. He doesn't have the right ability or power to give away. Um, <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And admittedly, uh, it's not the earth that he is being shown. Um, it is the kingdoms of the world. And if you want to make an argument of what the devil owns, uh, you probably could make a pretty good argument of the kingdoms of the world because these kingdoms are all who... They're, they're literally a personification of the people who follow in this way of Lucifer. Uh, self, serve self, exalt self. So um, Jesus uh, is coming to save those people. He's coming to die for those sins of all those people, all those. He's coming to do it. And Satan says, hey, I'll give you a shortcut. Let's just cut out the cross. Just worship me. Or follow in my way. <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's make me the center. This obsessive spiritual narcissism is the way of Satan. It is the way, the way of Satan. And uh, Jesus says to uh, him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Uh, sixth thing Satan believes about the flesh is number one, uh, our real God is ourself. That's what he thinks. Number two, we can be bribed to pretend we love God through blessing and favor, but we're really serving ourselves. Number three, we hate the tension of faith. Even when we understand that it's how love is built between the eternal and the temporal, a great God and humble beings, uh, even when you understand it, we hate it and we wish we could get rid of it. Number four, no matter how spiritual we are, we will still battle and be tempted by lust of the flesh. Number five, what we really want is power, um, not character. What we really want is to demonstrate the power of God, not the heart of God, um, which means if lust doesn't get us, then pride will because pride is the child of power. Um, <laughs> And um, number six, we'll do whatever we need to to get what we want, even if it makes us like the devil. 
even if we take shortcuts to do it. Forget about the cross. Don't go to cross. Just worship me and I'll give you what you came for. All of this is ultimately built upon dishonesty. The devil is the father of lies. The truth is not in him. Everything he does, uh, even if it seems like the truth, is built upon a lie. Uh, this is our understanding biblically of the work of Satan. Uh, and so we, all of us, have to be aware that although we have been called to do a work for God, we're not looking for a shortcut. We're not looking for some way to pretend. Our flesh is going to always be tempted that way. But the real work of Christ is to deny that flesh, discipline that flesh, discipline our mind through prayer, our body, our flesh through fasting, and seek a way that is God's way to save a broken world. It's not just my plan, your plan, it's God's plan. Because when God does it, it's right. We don't pretend like there is no justice. We let God satisfy justice. We don't pretend like there is no truth. We let God reconcile truth. Do you see? All right, that's enough. Love you. God bless you. Have a great week. Excited for what God has in store for all of us. Let's pray. Lord, be with your people. We all of us are tempted to serve ourselves in almost every element of our life, every avenue of our living. Um, and it's easy for us to be justified religiously in doing so. Um, and we'll pick out a scripture here and a prescripture there to make us feel good about it. But you demonstrated a way for us, which is to serve, to give, to include, and to love others as a visible way of loving you. And if we can't do that, then we shouldn't say we, we love you because we have no testimony of it because we're unwilling to love others. Um, forgive us of that, Lord Jesus, and help us as a church to intentionally let our passion for our city, our community, our friends, our family, and our willingness to demonstrate your heart and your character through the fruit of the Spirit, let it be something that identifies us, Lord, and gives you glory. Identifies us and gives you glory. We don't want identity that we don't want an identity that does that does not give you glory, because that's the path of pride, and it and will be our own uh, will will be our own destruction. Give us wisdom, understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.